Welcome, everybody, to the Careers in the Cloud podcast, the podcast where we talk to people just like you doing cool stuff in the Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, my name is Maurizio, Maurizio Joffre, and today we have Dale Ziegler out of Kansas City, uh, Kansas, obviously, in the United States. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here and uh, happy to be happy to be socializing again. And Yeah. yeah. We would have done this in person, to be honest. At this point, like I'm doing a bit of traveling to the States too, just like couldn't make it in to, to fly out to Kansas yet, but uh, maybe we could do a part two or something like that in person. But I mean, I know who you are. I feel like all of Kansas City knows who you are, um, but let's like for everyone else who's watching outside of those two places, um, who is Dale? Give us a little intro. So Dale is a Salesforce MVP for eight years, Kansas City user group leader for eight years, been in the Salesforce ecosystem for 11 years, um, have been a giant nerd for 41 years, and uh, very, very happily doing everything to bring back to my family, my wife, my three boys, um, and, and for myself, it's uh, it's all about understanding the important things in life and understanding that work helps facilitate that, but it is not life. Mm. Life is life. I hear you, man. Now, the when when I go back, right? Like we've talked, obviously, so I, like I know a bit about the journey. But for everyone else, they go on your LinkedIn profile, they check you out, they see a guy who started in journalism in university and went on this career to like where you are now as a Salesforce MVP. We see a lot of people come out of comp sci and they go on like a typical route, whether that's right or wrong to say, right? The typical route, we're gonna talk about that. But for you, like, how did you end up there and follow that through to end up where you are now? Yeah, so journalism was was a plan B actually. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, 41 years of being a nerd uh, that included as a kid, I took my math book home on the weekends just so that I could do extra work because I loved it so much. My parents would always get so upset with me that I would take apart calculators and remote controls just to see how they worked on the inside yeah. and then never put them back together again. But, you know, it was I, I, I always wanted to know how things worked. I always knew there was a why behind it. And uh, yeah. so when I went to, to, to college, University of Kansas, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, um, I went in as a math major and one semester later was on academic probation and, and kindly asked to change my major. So journalism became that plan B, made it through freshman, sophomore, junior, and then senior year uh, was unfortunately September 11th. And as a journalist and as just a consumer of media and information in general, that was my big wake up call that, okay, journalism is not what I want to do. When big events happen in the world, it makes everyone re-examine. I mean, we've we've been doing that in the last couple of years. How has the pandemic changed our lives and and how we interact? But at that moment, as a 20, 21-year-old kid, I mean, no better way to put it, kid, I said, I don't want to do journalism anymore, but I needed to do something. Um, so I spent a couple of years managing a grocery store before I then found a, a temp job doing data entry, which then got me pulled in full time to uh, start managing sales compensation and understanding um, balancing and balancing who needed to go where around the United States and Canada so that they could maximize their earning potential. Then getting into the economic crash of 08 and 09. Uh, okay, unfortunately, we have to lay off people. Who's left and where do they go? So at a strategic level. Um, and then 2011 was asked to you know, come to a new company 
and be the admin for Salesforce org, which was something that I had never even heard of. Uh, thankfully, Mark what Benioff was on. That, that was, was end of ten, end of ten, beginning of eleven. Yeah. Okay. No idea what Salesforce was. Benioff was the was on the cover of Forbes. So at yeah. least like I had that in November to you know brush and cr brush up and crash course on going into to the interview and meeting with people. But uh, from there, Salesforce just I dove in head first. Hmm. Um, learned about the local community, learned about the global community, knew it was something that I wanted to give back to as members of that community gave to me. Uh, that expanded into local group leadership, jumping on the Midwest Dream and conference planning team, getting nominated and accepted as an MVP, uh, growing my certifications, taking the leap into consulting. Like it's just all expanded from there, but along the way, and, and you know, we're going to touch on this. It was it was a combination of betting on myself mm -hmm. and having people looking out for me to help take care of me because I proved that I was worth being taken care of. I, I was worth being in that network. Um, and so now, 2022, uh, I am loving life as a senior business analyst with uh, Seven Summits, which is part of the IBM family, which is a huge opportunity. Go back however many years as a kid who loved math and technology. I don't think I ever would have envisioned IBM being my place of employment, but it doesn't doesn't get any bigger than IBM. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone knows that name. Globally, globally right? Yeah. The, the one thing you said where it's like, we're going to touch on a bit about kind of where you're putting your time and your energy and stuff like that. But if we back that up, there's a few people you told me about who on that journey kind of helped you go where you where you where you needed to go. Like they're the ones who essentially when there was times where you could have strayed from like the path to, you know, the direction that you saw for yourself. Right. Everyone gets that where they want to go somewhere. But for whatever happens in their life, maybe they get strayed there. They start to sort of fall off that that journey path. Who were those people who helped you kind of stay and then sort of like follow that dream? Yeah. So first was, um, again, 9-11, my senior year, knowing that journalism wasn't going to be for me, but I got my degree and I needed to do something supporting myself as an adult. I needed to bet on myself. I had to advocate for myself to figure out, okay, what can I do? What should I do? I had worked for a grocery store in high school and on breaks in college, so I knew I could um, I knew I could jump into a management position with that same chain to at least have an income. Yeah. After a couple of years of not doing that, I knew okay, I need something more career. So I took a chance to apply with a temp agency that worked for a major corporation here in Kansas City. That was like okay, if I can just work through that and get my foot in the door, maybe they'll maybe I'll have a a fully employed position, and that ended up happening. Well, then I, I got noticed by one of the, the managers, eventually director in the group named Mike Schuler, who he saw what I could become. He saw what I had done. He saw what I could become. So I ended up then reporting to him through some transfers of, of um, team management and everything. And he gave me the opportunities to go from just tactical day to day into bigger picture strategic things. Um, and, and he, he always had my back. As long as I told him what I was doing and why, I knew he was gonna report up the chain 
and and fully advocate for me. And and advocate is the very important word there, not just mentor, but advocate mm. because as my life started to evolve and, and devolve in some ways, um, he was always there to keep me upright. And and so a couple of years later, we get into 2009 um, through that company, going through a major merger acquisition, met some folks from the IT side of the house, um, particular Marty Williams, Amber Battershell, Wesley mm -hmm. Kramer. All of us, and Mike included, we all worked out together. We had a gym on site. We were going for runs. We were lifting weights and everything um, while working on this major project together. 2009, um, I come home one day and I'm greeted with, I want a divorce, which I, I have a three-year-old kid at this point. I have zero signs of this coming. I'm sure. completely floored and blindsided. Um, the next couple of days, go back to work, go to work out. I finally get the courage to tell them. And they said, all right, we are keeping you upright. We are keeping you in the gym. We are keeping you social. Um, this this wow. isn't a work thing. This is a we love you thing. We are going to keep you going because you deserve to keep going. So um, six in the morning, Amber, uh, she would be texting, calling me to say, all right, we're meeting at work. Throw your get stuff up. in the locker room. We're going for a run. And I will make absolutely sure you are there at six in the morning. Yep, wow. got it. Lunchtime, go in the gym, and it's all of us. Just, Dale, you got to keep pushing. You can't let life knock nice. you down. So they were my advocates. They they kept me and my life going and keeping, like, my my son, Mark, in, in, like, in my front view of you got to do everything for you. You got to do everything for him. We see what you can do. Don't let this knock you down. You will kick butt. You will take names. You will keep charging forward. Um, so then we get to the end of 10, beginning of 11. Mike has moved on to the company that was using uh, Salesforce, but no admin running the show. He said, Dale is ready for that next step. You will be my admin. Um, he, he spoke to all the powers that be at that company to say, Dale's my guy. And so he brought me in. He then in that first year, uh, it's kind of funny. We went to a couple of local user group meetings and um, I didn't fully understand what was going on. I didn't get this whole Salesforce community thing. I didn't know what was going on. So there was one meeting that I skipped. He wasn't able to go. So he was like, so how's the meeting? I was like, well, I decided not to go. He said, no, you're going. And <laughs> I'm going to tie your ability to earn a bonus to it. That's one of your goals is you will attend meetings. And I'm like, all right, understood. <laughs> <laughs> so I dove in head first because he saw yeah. what it could do for me. He knew you need. He knew you needed it, basically, right? Even if you exactly, didn't know, he knew like you had. This is something you had to do, and he uh, kind of forced you to do it. But it's good. Exactly. Yeah, right. they they were advocating for me, not just the the mentorship. And this is what this is why I very clearly separate the words mentor versus advocate. Yeah. Mentoring, yes, you're teaching and you're hoping that you you help mold somebody, but an advocate, in my opinion, dives in and goes all in on you as a person. A different level of care in your in your definition that the way you see it, right? And if you've seen both, then I think someone would also be able to relate to that. When somebody will go all in and like put their name on the line for you, you don't have any experience in this job, but like because they know you so well personally and they know like what you're capable of in life. Mm -hmm. They kind of put it down and say like, no, 
don't, you know, go looking for this or that person. Like I've already found the guy or I already found the girl. Like this is them. Like let's, uh, let's take a shot. Right. That's crazy, man. Change your life. Literally kept you on the right path for sure, but also Mm -hmm. opened up a whole new door to like where you are now. And it's like, it's a chain of events, right? It's like, if that never happened, this never would have happened. And then where you are now, who knows like where you would have been. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy how, uh, how much you can attribute just like those meaningful connections that you obviously built over time to literally like where you are today, me and you standing in front of each other, speaking like that. So like completely on the lines of that, if, if there's a young person who let's go like Dale way back when he was, you know, a math major and getting forced to flip to something else, maybe someone who's in relatively similar path, maybe they're just scraping by getting out of school. They have maybe an idea of what they want to do. They also have things in their mind, maybe put into by friends, family, parents, whatever, but like the right path for them or like what they should do. Like what advice would you have about that person who is maybe a bit on the fence about what their next step should be or what they want it to be? I think it it starts with being willing to take a bet on yourself. And not necessarily worrying about what other people think you should or could or need to do. Um, As as adults, we we need to be able to support ourselves. And if we have families, I mean, that's that that doesn't need to be mentioned that that's obvious. But um, it's it's being willing to take a bet on yourself that if you have even just a little bit of experience in something that is closely related to something that catches your eye. Don't be afraid to leverage that experience and that know-how that you have from it to take a chance on it. And don't be afraid to go all in. Um, I always, the, the biggest lesson that I teach my kids when, whether it's school or sports or whatever, is I don't need you to be the best. I need you to be your best. Hmm. And a big piece of that is taking a bet on yourself and being willing to go all in, even if it's not part of the big picture plan or what you want to do long term everything is is a leap to the next thing at some point but also not necessarily having everything completely mapped out to a t that in one year i'm going to do this in five years i'm going to do this 10 years i'm going to do this whatever i can guarantee you it's not going to work that way yeah if you have everything to that finite of a plan so you have to be willing to just gamble and say this is the step in front of me that's the step i'm going to take and i'm going to maximize it Mm-hmm. Not everyone has a has a luxury to have a full like I mean, even if you do have a luxury where you're in a, some great spot where you can see five years ahead in the future and you're on that path, even for people like that, like stuff's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a goal, you can have a direction, but you're right, maybe not being so rigid with it and thinking you got to have it all figured out before you take that step. Sometimes you just you got to move in the direction generally that feels right for you in the moment and you take it step by step from there. What about the flip side of that? So someone who long past right they're they're well into their career at this point and maybe they're starting to doubt what they've accomplished thus far whether they're thinking like you know damn by this age i feel like i should have maybe done more or at this point in my career like i'm here but i feel like i should be there i feel like i should be over here or maybe five years ago like I should have maybe had that conversation or taken that job and maybe i would have went into that direction there's a lot of people we talk to who like that's the headspace that they're in. What advice would you give to someone like that? So it's for me, it's looking back and reflecting and always looking back and reflecting and trying to find how you can appreciate 
what got you to where you are today. Was it perfect? No, nothing's perfect. Um, but if you're able to look back at all of the small and big steps along the way, uh, the opportunity, the professional opportunities you may or may not have taken, the personal relationships you may or may not have grown or abandoned or whatever, um, it's being able to look back and at least start with what is my overall level of satisfaction with today? Again, nothing's going to be perfect. But if you can at least appreciate what got you to this point, that is huge. I feel like I can wake up every day, look in the mirror and say, I love my family. I love my uh, that I had the opportunity to get remarried to the absolute one, Amanda, and that we have two more boys. So like a great family to support me. I have a job that I absolutely love that I don't even call work. <laughs> I live in a great neighborhood, great everything. Was it perfect getting here? No, but damn, I did it right. Like, mm. this is awesome. Not everybody's even going to get to that level of satisfaction, but that's okay. It's okay to not be okay with that. It goes back to, okay, what would you tell someone uh, like a younger version of yourself or a, a younger person? It's never too late to still take that gamble. Do the logistics of that gamble change? Uh, absolutely. If you have a family to support and let's say you got laid off or um, you just absolutely don't like the job that you're in, but you have a family to support, a mortgage to pay, bills to pay, all of that, that does, I wouldn't say it limits your focus or your abilities, but it definitely makes you consider them more. But you yeah, still have the opportunity. That our priorities, right? There's like a different perspective you have to have. But there's right. still that like that risk, like right right for where you are like, in your life that you can take, basically, right? From what I'm understanding, that's what you're saying. There's exactly. still it's like a move that you can make. It's never too late to make that move, just respective to where you are. Do you think like f coming to that decision on what makes sense for you comes with talking to people as well, networking a little bit, meeting other people, finding out at this stage in life, at that stage in life, what worked for them, what worked for them? Obviously, you do it yourself in the end. Like it's you know you, with people's help, it's your life. But getting perspective from different people, networking, like, do you think that could help someone in that sort of position, sort of find what makes sense for them next? A absolutely, because that's then where um, you truly understand who is looking out for you and not even necessarily you specifically, but you as a member of the human race. Um, I, whenever anybody asks why I do things that I do as an MVP, it's because I'm a human that I feel like my purpose on life is to help my fellow humans. Mm. So you could have some great advocates in your life that are looking out for you in all aspects of everything or a, a very loving and supportive family, whether it's by marriage or your parents or siblings, whatever. You may just have some mentors or professors from college that you stay in touch with or whoever. And it may just be some of the relationships that I have in the community with people where, hey, Dale, I heard your name. I heard you're the go-to here in Kansas City. How can I get connected? And that be, and I answer that and I help point them as far as I can. And maybe that's the extent of our relationship. And that's okay. If, in the right direction, though, right? Exactly. And so networking as a whole, definitely. I 100% advocate for that because none of us can do any of this by ourselves. But there also shouldn't necessarily be expectations that whatever relationships you create are going to go to the full on level of an advocate who's picking you oh, up yeah. off the gym floor yeah, <laughs> when life goes south. 
like sometimes one in a million. The fact that you had four is like incredible. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like not some people don't even find one. But um, if we if we look at like you're you're an MVP now, right? Eight time MVP or eight years in a row, we'll say you've achieved that or, or you've maintained that status. What does it mean to you to be not just an MVP, but being able to kind of continue along for so many years, like as that same person? And what advice would you give someone who wants to achieve MVP status? Um, if they want to take the step and, and, and achieve that, what, what do they need to be doing now? What can they start doing today? So what does it mean to me? It means that the community at large ha has trusted me and continues to trust me to help with whatever they need, whether it's something technical like how to build a flow or if it's getting connected as part of a network as they look for how to support their livelihood. It's, it's definitely not a linear spectrum. It's a multidimensional spectrum, but overall, it means that I'm still trusted to help others with that. And again, I'm just a human trying to help my fellow humans and being an MVP gives a great platform to do that. Mm. I will say though, for those who tell themselves, I will be an MVP, I'm gonna say you're doing it wrong. The path should come to you. Um, I don't look at being an MVP as necessarily notoriety and hey look at me and I, i'm an mvp no if i start doing wrong that attitude. i'm doing it wrong wrong attitude exactly it's i feel like i did what felt natural to me people saw it and then people in the community helped boost my ability to help other humans mm. so it's all about the perspective that you put on it of what is your goal is it to have a status or is it to help others? For and me, it, it was- You're the wrong person for the job, basically. Well, not that it's a job, but you know what I mean? You're the wrong person to be an MVP, right? If that's exactly. If you're doing it for, that's not what the, the ecosystem needs. Exactly. And then as you know, I renewed for the eighth time, what I've learned in those eight years is really how to strike a healthy balance. Um, when I started with Salesforce, I dove all in with all the education I could get my hands on. When I learned more about the community, I dove in on that. But then in my personal life, my family is growing and I was pursuing my MBA. I was trying to stay in touch with Marathon Dale, who ran three marathons in 10, 11, and 12 and haven't done it since. I was just trying to stay healthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and nice. so what it's taught me is also is to really evaluate what is the right mix? I wanted to write all the blog posts. I wanted to be on all the podcasts. I wanted to be the first name that came out of everybody's mouth now that I have an MVP because there was that piece of, okay, well, there are benefits that come with being an MVP. And um, it's it helped with my job search as I was moving from customer space to consulting. But now it's, okay, I got a lot going on in my life. I God, number one, after family, I, pri I prioritize mental health. I mean, in two hours, I'm, I'm going to, to see my therapist as I do every other week because nice. that became very important. Yeah. Um, it also made me really think about, okay, I don't have to do all the blog posts. I don't have to do all the podcasts. Um, and, and that's not to say you should feel fortunate that I did yours. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I, I, I co-host MVP office hours um, a couple of times a month with Joy Shutters Helping and, and Squire Kirshner because that's a great opportunity for people to come with their questions. Can we answer them? We definitely try. If we can't, we'll figure out how. Hmm. But it's great because I can see people get that help immediately. And hmm. same thing with leading the local user group. Kansas City 
is really booming when it comes to the Salesforce presence. And there's a lot of people who are like, okay, Salesforce, it's awesome. I know there's a lot of corporations based here that are using Salesforce. I need that change in career. And again, going back to um, understanding that maybe the extent of my relationship with some people is just going to be, how can I help them get a foot in the door? Sure. Great. I can see that immediate benefit for them. Yeah. Yeah. Until I came to the user group as well and actually like participated, I had no idea there was that kind of ecosystem in Kansas City. So that was super cool. The the one thing that I think you're you're starting to like, uh, you're starting to jab at is when you look at, yeah, you could try and do everything, right? Like you could try and take it on all, like take on, on, uh, on it all, bite off more than you can chew. And then you may not necessarily be in that much of a better place when you actually do all of that, right? Like you may even actually be in a worse situation, right? Even if you're just focusing on career, building my brand, this and that, and you're trying to do everything, it's like, even mental health wise, like you said, you may actually be in a worse spot because you have bitten off more than you can chew, right? How do you know, um, we actually talked about this, I, I didn't even take it in, in the user group, but like, how do you know when to sort of not just pull back, but like, when is something, when have you gone sort of, I would say too far to a point where maybe your time shouldn't be put in that place specifically or with this person right? How do you know when too much is too much? And it's like, Hey, I can only, I can only do so much. This person doesn't want to be helped, for example, right? How do you know when to sort of pull back and like put up your boundaries basically and say, this is ultimately the most I can do in this situation. This is the most that I can do for, for this person and sort of call it at that point. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, it, the question makes sense. The answer isn't so straightforward. The answer is it's a gut feeling. Mm. Um, Every interaction, every relationship, every commitment, whatever it may be, is going to come with its own weight and size and shape and heft that you really have to approach um, individually. If someone who I've never even met, never heard of, comes, reaches out to me and says, okay, hey, I've, I've lived in Kansas City for years, and I know about these companies that are using Salesforce. I got my certification, but I don't have experience. Of course, I'm going to absolutely help. I want to help them get their foot in the door. But if they, if they make it very explicitly clear that that's as far as they want the relationship to go, and I miss that, I may find myself following up. Hey, did you still want to meet? Did you still want to meet? <laughs> and after a couple of like no, no responses, I found out the hard way that, okay, I, I tried to help too much. That's fine. Can I apply that to future interactions? Maybe, but the same thing may happen with a completely different person that they ask me the exact same question at the beginning, but they really do want someone to mentor them and to, to really uh, guide them. And so it takes critical listening, whether it's through email, text, conversation, whatever, to start to understand, okay, for me, how do I interpret the information that I'm consuming, the questions that have been asked of me, to then get a good idea of how much I should give to it. Um, there's also some ways to just take pure data. Like with MVP office hours, we're, uh, this Friday is going to be call number 218, I think. Our numbers haven't gone down. I can go straight to data in Zoom and see, our registration numbers and our attendance numbers aren't going down and we're 200 in. Yeah. That's, that's a solid path to stay on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so it, 
Exactly. So it's just, and, and same thing with the user group. We, we have a consistent number. Now, granted, we, we drew a lot more people when we were in person pre-pandemic than we have doing virtual, um, but we still have consistent numbers in the virtual space, which mm -hmm. says, yes, this is still a valid form for me to be putting energy into and trying to find someone to sponsor or present or, or do whatever. Um, but the gut really is the biggest leading indicator um, which takes a healthy amount of understanding yourself. You're the only one who can control you. You can't control other people, nor should other people have the ability to control you, um, which has also made me examine personal relationships as well. If, if I'm giving you more than you're giving me, that's not healthy. I, it, there needs to be a balance somewhere, and, and you can translate that to, to, to interactions and requests and commitments and, and whatever, and, it, and still have it be okay. Yeah. I think a lot of it's like outlook from the beginning too. Like if if there are some people who like they they feel like they need to 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 help other people, right? Like they in a sense where I mean they um it's easy for them to sort of get sucked into an interaction and give everything to it when it may not 100% be necessary. What I what I'm trying to say is if you're going to go out there and help other people, you're going to help elevate other people, you don't I don't think you have to think about it too too hard at least in the beginning, right? If you're putting yourself out there like hey, I've been through this, I've been through that, and I've experienced this, and I want to give back to other people who have been in my shoes, right? It sometimes is the simplest things that don't take up too much time where you can give people that much more help. Because sometimes mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at what other people don't know, right? So even sometimes it's the small little things that you can give that other people take massive value from. And if they see that, they'll come back to you when they need help. If you leave the conversation open, like, look, this is what I can give you right now. If you get there and you need help, you come back to me and I'm 100% here for you. When they come back to you, right, they're coming back and asking for help again. I think it kind of, it puts you in a position where you are, I think for yourself, of course, like you're feeling good about helping other people, but you're almost leaving the door open for them to come back to you. And it's less about, you know, you thinking, oh man, this person, that person following up with all these situations, you're only one human, right? You can mm -hmm. only, you can only memorize like so many different, you know, people's paths where leaving the door open, I think sometimes allows people to come back to you and uh, makes it easier even on your own mind. To give the help that I think a lot of people want. The the last thing I want to ask you, man, I think uh, everything's sort of been leading up to this, really. But how would you define, in your own words, like success and, and happiness? It's definitely personal. Um, it's back when you're twenty something and you're having to make that first initial move on. Okay. I think I know what I want, or I know I need to, I know I need to, to have an income to support me supporting myself. What am I going to take a gamble on myself? The happiness and success comes from, again, appreciating the journey that got you there and understanding and appreciating that it wasn't perfect. Um, for me, personal and family absolutely comes first. I mentioned that. Um, when my wife, Amanda, and I got married in 2013, um, my second marriage, her first marriage, uh, the song that we danced to was Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts. Mm -hmm. And the entire song is all about all the crap that happened to mm -hmm. the singer and his partner mm -hmm. that that broken road led them to, to come together. Mm -hmm. There was no path that they followed. The path found them. Mm -hmm. And if you can reflect on what you've done and what you are still actively doing and know that you sleep well at night, that you are not, you're not harming anybody, 
you are still benefiting yourself. You're benefiting others. To me, that's happiness and success. Mm-hmm. Being a VP versus being a business analyst versus being someone who you know, just bags groceries at the grocery store. If you know for yourself that you're doing almost almost all the things right, because again, none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. If you can go to bed at night feeling at peace with what you've done, that is a huge foundation and component of happiness. Dude, I'm telling you, this is actually, I, I, I realize it now. I'm not just saying this, but I think that's actually why I reached out to you to do this. When we first spoke on, uh, like during the user group, it's something that I guess you feel from someone else. Like genuinely, I believe you're super content with just like where you are. I, I can feel that from you. Like you're like genuinely a very happy guy, just like with the way life is for you now. Yeah, there's ups, there's downs, this and that. But I feel like I felt that from you on our first, when we first <laughs> We met on that user group and I think that's what really pushed me to be like man I feel like Dale would be like an amazing guest to just sort of share whatever's on his mind with everyone else now that you put it that way as far as like that's how you view what success means what happiness means I'm telling you dude that's why we're here right now <laughs> so thank well, you. well absolutely and thank you for the opportunity but you need to give yourself a ton of credit as well because you're facilitating this for others you you are doing I, it whether you I, explicitly know it or not Trying, man. Trying. There's there's a lot of messages like like yours, for example, that a lot of people would benefit. People like in, in my line of work, so many people come to me with different questions from like all walks of life, right? Just starting out. They've been in the game a while. They ask this, they ask that. And I've just felt that there's so many conversations I have that obviously for confidentiality, I cannot share everything. <laughs> but right, of course. In my job. But there's so many just experiences in general that people will explain to me that they went through and things that will come to conclude at the end of the call after I tell them what I know because of other people that I've talked to. Like if I could share that and put that out there, I feel like that's a pretty cool thing that's unique, especially like in our like world, our ecosystem, right? Um, that not everybody gets access to. So this is just a small way where I thought I could uh, I thought I could give that. Is there anything that you want to plug, whether it's about the user group or anything else that you have going on, work life, anything that you want to plug just on this podcast for everyone to hear before we close her off uh if if there was anything that i needed to put out like in terms of within the ecosystem you'd see it on linkedin you'd see it on the trailblazer community um you'd see it on any of those channels um the biggest thing that i want people to hear is we life has been weird (laughs) life will never not be weird the way we can all pull through this thing personally, professionally, et cetera, is to keep taking care of each other. That's it. I want people to hear that. We got to keep taking care of each other. And it's okay that it that there's different ways to do it for different people. If we all have positive intent in our heart and mind, we as a, as a collective society and group of people are going to do some pretty kick butt things. I love that, dude. Thank you, man. And thank you again for joining us here. And uh, catch Dale on LinkedIn, guys. Anything you need from that perspective, please reach out to him, connect with him. Um, He's your guy. Thank you, Dale. Thank you so much. Loved this. Loved the opportunity. And and keep doing good things. Seriously. Thank you.